0: Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth. Though every church is called to make disciples So don't think of church as an address or a location But rather think of church as mobile and on the move Don't think of church as something built or planted But rather think of church as something deployed Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week But rather what you are every day of the week Because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ Feet shouldn't sit still Hands shouldn't be idle Feet go hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now because you are the church. Now go and be the church. Welcome church. How's
1: everybody doing? Got through your leftovers yet? I'm looking for donations to cranberry sauce, right? I got turkey, I got dressing, but cranberry sauce I understand was in short supply. So if anybody wants to make a donation to me, of cranberry sauce, I will gladly receive that. Amen. My name is Robert. I'm one of the elders here at Freedom. And we don't get an opportunity to do this often, but I just want to acknowledge um, the elders here at Freedom Bible Church. I know they're shaking their heads, and but uh, Mark Jones, David Thornhill, Charles Evans. Would y'all just raise your hands? And so, can we just um, give them a, an applause? Like, show them some love. These are men that serve with me. I have the pleasure of serving with. They get to watch over you. We speak. We meet often and speak about everybody in here and pray for this church and the advancement in God's kingdom through this church, right? So I only have one job today, one simple job, and <laughs> that job is to not mess up, right? That job is to basically just to to to, to clear the way and just. Fill in some space until um, Pastor Eric returns next week, right? So if I mess up at the end of this sermon, whatever, however it may be, y'all can say, Robert, you only had one job, right? (laughs) You only had one job. And (laughs) that's right, that's right. So uh, anyway, uh, what I want to do today, though, is um, preach you a message that has been germinating in my heart ever since we had the back to church. Sunday I remember that several weeks several months ago the back to church Sunday that we had and every message and every series since then that Pastor Eric has been preaching has ministered to me so much and it was like what I was reading and studying in the Bible with what he was teaching from here the pulpit to what we were speaking about in our small groups came to an intersection of extreme growth for me and I know for all that was involved, you know, we had the the, the series on hope. Y'all remember the series on hope, right? And then there was the series upward, inward, outward that we he just finished with. And listen, y'all are going to be blessed. Next week, we have what we call Luke's Playlist, all right? It's a series that takes us all, all the way until Christmas, Luke's Playlist, all right? So y'all make sure you be here next week and uh, the preceding weeks ahead, but one of the things that, when I was studying scripture, sometimes I study scripture, and I'll read quickly through a psalm or I'll quick quickly through a book, uh, but sometimes scripture causes me to pause, right? And when I was listening and sitting under Pastor Eric's teaching, um, I I was reading this scripture, and it's Psalm eighty four for those of you uh, who want to follow along. Psalm eighty four. And it was just like that intersection I was telling you. It just caused me to pause. And I tell you, it took me a whole month to really get into and receive all that God had for me in these 12 verses in this this one psalm, this Psalm 84. And for some of y'all, I know you guys like to know a title. You guys like to have a title maybe on the top of your notes. Y'all write this down. My title is, Life is better here with y'all. Amen. Look to your neighbor right and left. Say, life is better here with y'all. Amen. Life is better here with y'all. Amen. And this psalm, what it, what it does, it's a Psalm 84. And, and, and in your heading, if you look at the heading, it says a psalm from the sons of Korah. Okay. And it says a desire for God's house. Maybe some of your Bible says that. And, you know, when we had the back to church Sunday, I remember um, the desire I had for all these seats to be filled and still do. I still have that desire for all these seats to be filled because I know that it's through this house that God's message is being proclaimed, that wholeness is being Established if we can receive it. You know, so I, I long to fill in the gaps or have or have the Lord fill in the gaps of all these seats that are in here. But it starts with a desire for God's house. That's why I paused at the scripture. That's why it took me so much time to go through this. You see, Pastor Eric preached in one of his messages that the church isn't a place, it's a person. It's a person that we come collectively to a place to worship together. Now, when I mention house of God, that is the aspect that I'm speaking about, the collective assembly of the saints here and the power that we provide in our might to worship together, to call upon, to invoke the Holy Spirit, to provide us with peace, wholeness, and joy. That's what I'm speaking about today. So today, what I want to do is I want to read this psalm, and what I want to do is I'm going to bring out five, five Ps, if you will. I like to do the Ps. You know, the the thesaurus is a preacher's best friend sometimes. You know, uh, and, and you'll see in one of my Ps, I had to struggle, but it works. Okay, um, but we're going to talk about our longing for His presence that He provides together in assembly. We are uh, seeking his provision, his protection, his perseverance. And in that, we have the gift of petition. Amen. But as you look to the scripture in uh, Psalm 84, you'll see at the sign, it says the psalm, a psalm from the Psalms of Korah. But my Bible teacher and theologians agree that this was a psalm that was written by David. You see, the sons of Korah were were Levitical priests, and what they would do is they would perform these psalms at the tent of meeting in the courts of God at the temple later. But a lot of the commentaries and my Bible teachers ascribe this particular psalm to David. And we know that to be true because they have a lot of similarities to psalms that were written by David. And so, what I, attempt to, what I want to attempt to do is, here is help us to confirm in our hearts, maybe, our longing for the house of God, maybe to reignite something, maybe just to learn something that we didn't know through. David and his psalm that he wrote. Now many people believe that this psalm was written at a time when David was in exile outside of Jerusalem that his son Absalom had, had taken over the kingdom and kicked him out to a distant land and David had a longing to be in Jerusalem again and his longing was to be in the dwelling place of God. So what I want to do is I want to read the scripture I want to pray and then we'll get into what I the Lord has for us all. Amen? Amen. Psalm 84. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for your courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself. Where she shares places for her young. Near the altars, Lord of armies, my king and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually, Selah. Happy are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca and make a source of spring water, even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength and appear before God in Zion the lord god of armies hear my prayer listen god of jacob consider our shield god look on the face of your anointed one better remember this better is one day in your courts than as thousands anywhere else i would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my god than live in the tents of wicked people for the lord god is a sun and a shield and the lord grants Favor and honor. He does not withhold anything good for those who live in integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. God bless the reading of his word. Y'all pray with me. Lord Father, I'm so thankful to be able to assemble here in freedom. Lord Father, we thank you for getting us past all the distractions that may have. uh, came our way as we were preparing ourselves and our hearts for attending this morning. We thank you for this uh, meeting, uh, that the, the Thanksgiving season, I'm sorry, that you've given us, that we could be with our families, Lord. Lord, Father, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we thank you for our pastor who is, uh, who is uh, resting and relaxing with his family. We pray and thank you for their family, for the sacrifice that they give. Lord, Father, it's at this time that uh, I ask you, to synchronize with my mind, Lord Father. Speak through my mouth all that you would have your people understand, know, say, and do. Lord Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. It's in Christ's name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a playlist? Have you made a playlist? Right. Right? It's a collection of your favorite songs. You know, Matter of fact, I think I would be surprised to see what was on some of your playlists. I would be surprised to see um, maybe that there was some classical, maybe, right? Maybe there was some country where I wouldn't see it, where I wouldn't notice it, right? right? In my playlist, I have four main playlists that I have. Number one is obviously worship music. My wife and I, even this morning when we were getting ready to come to church, we blast worship music, right? To prepare our hearts and our minds for coming to the Lord, to coming here and receiving to the house of God, to receive his blessing. And then I do, I do have, I I, I love, I love, Caitlin, I love country music. I know you do too, right? We love, I have my country music playlist. And then I also have what I call my hype playlist, Yeah, my hype playlist, Tracy. And that playlist was my workout playlist. Now, I don't listen to that as often as the other ones. (laughs) But I still have it just in case, okay? In case I want to feel like I want to run or do some push-ups or something, I have my hype playlist. But my favorite playlist is my travel playlist. You see, Christy and I, we travel a lot. You know, we just traveled... Uh, a week ago to see my daughter in Orlando. And uh, we have a playlist that we make. I have my playlist. She has her playlist. But guess what? Our playlists are very much alike. In and in, in time, maybe an hour or two into our playlist, there's always one band that shows up, whether it be hers or mine. It was that worship band from the 1980s called Journey. I say a worship band because people did worship them. <laughs> I love those songs, but not just the songs that we all know, like Don't Stop Believing or Faithfully, right? I'm talking about, y'all, if you've got notes, write this down. Loving, touching, squeezing, that'll bless you, right? Girl can't help it. Right, take these down, y'all. Write this down, you know. Send her my love. That's the songs that we would end up hearing. It's the B-side songs from Journey. They were, they were a blessing to us. But you know what? Back in my day... We had the original playlist. The mixtape, tape, right? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's right. The mixtape, tape, right? And this is like when you were in middle school and you record a collection of songs on this one tape. And, and you can put tape right here and you can record over. Y'all remember that? And you can make a new playlist. The mixtape tape was the original playlist, y'all. And, but with the mixtape. tape... If you had a mixtape, you had to have a very important tool. The number two Faber-Castell pencil here, okay? You know, and the the young people are looking at me with a puzzled look. Let me tell you why. Because inevitably, when you would play this tape, it would be caught in the machinery of the cassette player, right? And when you would pull it out, you would have streams and streams of tape that you didn't know what to do with. And no matter what you put in here, it could not wheel the tape back in except for this one most important tool, right? The number two pencil, amen, amen. Who wants a mixed tape? Here you go, Johnny. There you go, Johnny. Be blessed, okay? You got Tears for Fears, Banana-Rama, Garth Brooks, Billy Ray Cyrus, Millie Vanilla, you'll be blessed. Well, I I, I don't need it. I don't need it. See, I have it all on my cell phone, so I don't need it, right? (laughs) It was travel music. And even in the days of old, in the days that I'm reading about, they had travel music that they called songs. And this travel music was often called like songs of pilgrimage or songs of ascent. You see, Jerusalem was on a hill, and you you were always walking up towards Jerusalem ascending towards Jerusalem and so they would have these songs that they would sing on their pilgrimage on their travels as they would walk towards Jerusalem to set their hearts and their minds to what they were about to receive the sacrifices they were about to give the presence of God that was there in Jerusalem and the good Jew would go to Jerusalem and pilgrimage three times a year they would go once in April for Passover and they would go again in the summer during their harvest time. It, it was called Shavuot. It was a midsummer. It's where you would get your first fruits. And then there was also the Sukkot that was in October, usually in the middle of October. And they would go in October. And that would be a, a celebration where they would remember the 40 years that they were, God provided for them in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. See, the good, good Jew would go to Jerusalem three times a year. And when they would go, they would sing these psalms, these songs of ascent, these songs of pilgrimage as they were walking up to Jerusalem. So like I said before, this is a psalm of David. And when we first meet David, it's in First Samuel. And we meet him as a young lad, the youngest of seven brothers. And there was a prophet at the time named Samuel, you'll find this in 1 Kings, who was commissioned by God to find the next king of Israel. And he told Jesse, very specifically, go to the house of this particular man, his name is Jesse, and interview his sons. And within those seven boys there, you will find the king, the next king of Israel. Israel so just like a story out of Cinderella Samuel goes with a horn full of anointing oil to Jesse's house and he tells Jesse I want to make a sacrifice will you join me and he says this in a way so he can take a look at the young boys and let me tell you something these young boys these particularly the oldest one Eliab this was a Tim Tebow looking dude he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, he, he he had the chest and the shoulders and everything. He looked everything about a king. And when he saw Eliad, Samuel, he said, surely this is the next king of Israel. And God cautioned him in his heart. And he says, no, Samuel, you see, what you're looking for is the outward appearance. But what I'm looking for is right here in the heart. And one by one, he would interview these young men. All of them looking worthy of being a king one day. And there were six brothers that he interviewed, and God told him no to every one of them. Samuel was puzzled. He says, I thought you told me to come to this house and find the next king of Israel. So he talks to Jesse, and he says, is there any other son that you have that I might interview, that I might see and look upon. And he says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this young fella. Uh, yeah, his name is David. He's out there amongst the sheep. He's, 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 he's kind of interesting. He sings songs out there in the wilderness and, uh, and uh, almost implying the insignificance to him. And, they, and Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Samuel says, Can I see him? And instantly, when he came into David's presence, the Lord confirmed in his heart, this is the one. And David took the horn that he had of oil and anointed David as the next king of Israel. And it doesn't take long for us to see and understand that David longed to be in close proximity to God. You see, the Bible called him, A man after God's own heart. All of his military accomplishments seemed to have been driven by his esteem for God. You know, Goliath would have kept on living if he didn't talk bad about God. But it was the fact that he defied God and the people of God that David would get so upset that he would call this man, get this, an uncircumcised Philistine. That's right, that's fighting words, y'all. And even with Saul, King Saul, right? King Saul employed him. He saw that David would, 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 took care of Goliath, and, and he employed David under his command, and David would slay ten thousands, right? And it sparked a jealousy in Saul. But David would not strike Saul because he was still considered God's anointed king. Many of David's writings centered around the theme of David's love and his devotion for God. For David, God and the place where we meet God were closely aligned. Where he met God were closely aligned. So our text today is an example of this. This is, in Psalm 84, a descriptive song, not a prescriptive song. Not meaning it's not what we should do, but it describes the heart of the worshiper as he comes into the house of God as he comes towards the assembly of the saints. It speaks about our disposition. Y'all say disposition. Our disposition about the collective assembly of the saints here what I'm calling the house of God. You see disposition is a person's inherent qualities of mind and character and what they think about. You know what I've come to discover in ministry Is that people will change their actions, but they won't necessarily change their attitudes about it. Right? That's why Paul says that he loves a cheer, that God loves a cheerful giver. It's it's a disposition of the heart. It's not about the amount that the giver is giving, but his heart when he's giving the amount. You understand? The disposition of the worshiper in the house of God, my goal today is to draw five themes that we may gain, that we might learn, we might reignite or confirm our disposition as the collective assembly here that we call Freedom Bible Church. And like I said before, those uh, themes are to, to his presence, his protection, his provision, his perseverance and the gift of his petition. So number one is his presence. If you look on verse one, it says how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of armies. You know, if God came by himself, Lord knows that would be enough. Amen? Amen. But as Johnny was singing before, and as we were worshiping and singing with him, he also gives us the gift of his spirit. Right? In John, he talks about how God, when he was on his way to Jerusalem through the crucifixion, that he was going to send a comforter for his disciples and for us, the Holy Spirit. No longer will he be God outside and walks with us. No, he will be God within us. He sends his presence. Now, I know what you're saying, Robert, I can seek his presence by myself. I can seek his presence in the closet, and sure you can, it's true. But there's something that happens where two or more are gathered, where we can get together at a place with expectation in mind. You know, uh, a lot of ladies, they go to these conferences and they're blessed by these conferences. They're called Women of Joy, or, or right? And men, remember, I used to go to these promise keepers meetings, right? And we would be blessed and we would be on fire when we came back from these meetings, right? But it all happened because when we were going, we were expecting that we were going to be blessed at that place. I wonder if we just come to church on Sunday and we expect to be blessed by the fellowship of the saints over here. The testimonies that we hear of each other. The preaching of God's word. The singing of the psalms of God. And I wonder. Do you wonder? I wonder, you know. But not only does he give us the gift of his presence. He gives us more. How many of you know that God gives us immensely more than we can think, hope, or ever imagine? Look at the reference here to the Lord of Armies. That's a Davidic term, the Lord of Armies. It implies that there's an army that comes with it. Some of the King James Version NIV would say Lord of Hosts or uh, the Lord of Angel Armies. He brings an army of angels with him. I had a friend of mine, Johnny, that was a, a worship leader in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he did a recording of a worship set that was just acoustic, very similar to what, well, yours was electrical, but it was an acoustic set. And the music producer, when he was chopping this up and and collecting the music, he found instruments and voices on that that accompanied the recording that they had no idea where they came from. It was an angelic presence that come in. And it says that, you know, that that in the sanctuary, when we sing that God indwells, You know, the presence of our praise. Amen. Do you ever think about, I know the contemporary church really doesn't think about and talk about angels too much, but you know, it's true. Even in Hebrews, right? In Hebrews 13, it talks about, don't be surprised if we entertain angels and know it not. This angelic presence speaks of a a surrounding of power and strength. In 2 Kings, there's this prophet named Elisha, and he has this disciple, this servant uh, with him. And at the time, the servant is shaking in his boots. Why? Because in the city where they were in, they were surrounded by an enemy army that wanted to kill and destroy everybody in the city. And he looked at Elisha, he says, why are you not shaking in your sandals? And Elisha, sent out a prayer, Nathan. He said this. He says, Lord, open his eyes to see what I see. And at that time, God granted his prayer and opened the eyes of the servant. And you know what the servant saw? Sure, he saw the army that surrounded the city. But ten times as strong, he saw an army that surrounded them with chariots of fire, God's angel armies. That were called to protect him. Angels are God's servants to help people, to help God's people. And until we get to heaven, we will never know how much they have come to our aid. In Psalm 125, it says, The mountains surround Jerusalem, and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Psalms 34, 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Even Moses in Deuteronomy said, for the Lord God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. It's your faith that enables his presence. And that happens oftentimes in the assembly of the saints right here. You know, I wonder how many times the devil doesn't want you to come to church. I wonder how many times you were getting ready for church one Sunday morning and there was a distraction. Maybe those pants weren't just weren't ironed right, right? Maybe you thought about the tasks of the day, whatever it may be, but it came, it kept you from the collective assembly of the saints because you know why? He wants you to stay away. Because he knows that there's a testimony here amongst us That'll bless you to move forward in his name. He knows that if he can just knock you off course, because how many of you can I get a witness to have, have overcome tremendous odds to come to church, to come to the assembly, and we're blessed? Can I see the hands of those? Look around, y'all. God wants to keep you from his presence, Satan wants to keep you from his presence, excuse me. The dwelling place, the house of God, the collective assembly of the saints is the breeding ground of faith. Why? Because his presence is here. Number two is his protection. I'll say his protection. Amen. Verses three says, Even a sparrow finds a home, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she places her young near the altars. The Lord of armies, the king of my God. There's protection here. I love the fact that he used a sparrow. You know, the sparrow was an insignificant bird. In the marketplace, they would sell sparrows back in the day. And, and, and Mark talks about how they were worth two pennies. I mean, we don't even have pennies, right? I mean, we don't even bother with pennies anymore. But it, they cost two pennies. Even Luke said that he had the BOGO, problem, BOGO program, right? If you buy one sparrow, you can get another free. And Jesus, he makes mention of the sparrow, remember? He says that not even one sparrow will fall to the ground and God not know about it. How much more will he think about you? Think about the swallow that he speaks about. The swallow is a migrating bird. How about a mark? You ever seen a swallow fly in a group? Isn't it beautiful, the, 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 the shapes that they make when they fly together? And, and it seems like they can turn on a dime, right? But these birds were nearly impossible to catch. They loved their freedom. David mentions it here in this psalm here for a reason. You see, it's a sparrow that finds a nest and a, a, a swallow that finds a nest for her young. And I wondered why, why, why was that there? Why was that there? And, and sometimes I know in church we can feel insignificant. And you know, even David, remember, was thought of as insignificant at one time. Surely, you know, God can't use me in the greater scheme of things. But he wants you to know, like in his dwelling place, there's a place for you. That just like I know the swallow, the sparrow when it hits the ground, I know you. I sing, the psalm says that he sings melodies over you, specifically over you, Tom. Melodies that he sings. That's my boy. And I love it where it talks about where he places the nest, where the swallow places the nest. Do you see that? The swallow has a nest for herself and places her young at the altars of God. Uh, the the nest of the swallow would would be a vulnerable place, a a place where adders, snakes would come, where, where birds of prey would come and take them away, right? But not in the house of God, not in this place. There was safety at the altar. I love the fact that we have these altars. You know, at one time when I used to come to church, I thought that anybody who would come to these altars were weak. And I have been around other believers that I've invited, or other people, not believers, I'm sorry, that would come to church that I invited, and, 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 and we would have conversations at lunch, and they would say, you know what, I, I don't understand that altar thing. I don't understand those people coming on their knees in front of everybody to show their weakness. I, I, I don't know that. I don't understand that. Because it's a vulnerable position, right? To come down here. But the Lord says that there's a place for you. And you know, I would agree with those people now. That it does display weakness. But for different reasons. It displays our weakness so we can show in all humility, right? Our dependence on our God. Our dependence for his strength. What is it Paul says, right? It's in my weakness. That you are made strong. That I will boast all the more. What about my weakness than my strengths? You know, when we're talking to other people in conversation, you know they, they are impressed with your strengths. They are impressed with uh, the things you've accomplished. But you know what people relate to? Your weakness. Your weakness. There's a place here. Of protection for the weak. Now my weakness leads me to dependence. Now my weakness leads me to strength, but not my strength, his strength. God permits our weakness so that in all humility, as I said before, we can find his strength through grace and through his power that it might be perfected through my weakness, through our weakness. Sometimes it's at the altars of God that we see affliction, our vulnerabilities are a gift of grace to work through our lives. This is what his protection can give. The house of God, this collective assembly, is a safe place. It offers his protection. Offers his protection. But number three, it also offers his provision. Read in verse four. It says, happy, how happy. I like it where in some versions of the Bible, it says, how blessed. I like it when they use that word, how blessed. But how happy are those who reside in your house? You see, God equates a blessing to those who reside. And if you will look in your Bibles to the very first verse, this is how lovely is your dwelling place. This word reside means the same thing. Dwelling place reside. I mean, it's the same place. And what it is dwelling, Patrick, it's not a word that we use very often, do we? I don't say where do you dwell, right, right? Right. It's an archaic word. We don't use it very often, but I studied it. And this word dwelling means to be actively responsible in where you're at. Right? Some of our parents in the room would will would wish more that our kids dwelled in the house <laughs> rather than just showed up, right? And just ate all the ham and cheese and the Cheerios, right? They would like it that they would actively participate in the house and that's what this blessing is for. for this blessing this how happy are those who actively participate in the house of God now when David was speaking about this you see he was jealous he was talking about the, the, the priests that were working in the tent of meeting in the courts of God he was talking about the ones who would who would take in the sacrifices that would sing the songs to God that's what he was speaking about but in our day right there is a blessing when we come to church, as I say, through the testimony, through the word preached, through the songs that we sing collectively. I wonder, how many of you, after um, you come and hear the sermon, go out to lunch? Either home or someplace, right? We all go out to lunch. I wonder how much we talk about what we just learned or what we just received or what we, were, what we questioned. I tell you what, there's a blessing in that. One thing I love about our small groups I lead a small group on, um, on Sunday evening. We really dig deep about what we learned, what Pastor Eric preached about. And we come to a better understanding talking to others younger and older and seeing different perspectives of how this affects, how the sermon, how the Word of God affects them in, in, in their lives. And that helps us to, to, to have a better understanding, to even understand, Lord, and be closer to God. Amen. There's a provision there, the provision of blessing. You see, there's a transfer of blessing. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place? Then it says later on, how lovely or how happy are those who reside, who dwell in God's house we see that transfer of blessing is this. It's called the fullness of joy that the Bible speaks about. It's the blessing that separates us from sorrow, worry, doubt, and fear. Instead, through Christ and his blessing, we get to live in abundance, peace, freedom, and love. I drive down the road sometimes and I see these Mercedes and these, and I love them, I love them, these uh, Lexus, these Lincolns, whatever, and they'll have this vanity tag on the front. And it'll say blessed. Right. You ever seen them? Right. So it'll say blessed. But having the fullness of joy means that you can ride in an 82 Datsun dirt brown with torn seats and you can put that tag on the front of that car just as good as those other people, because, you know, you are blessed just where you are. Right. I love it in John 1:14. He says that the word became flesh. And you know what the word did? He dwelt with us. It means he actively actively participates in our lives. He made our heart his home. Number 5. The blessing where it's better here with y'all is where we come to seek his perseverance, his perseverance. There's a word, as I strength. Let me read this to you. He says, how happy, I'm sorry, happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water, even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings, and they will go from strength to strength, each appearing before the God in Zion, that word strength that he's talking about, it's mentioned three times, it's appropriately mentioned three times, because it means azai, y'all say azai, Azai is a Hebrew word that means strength. But on that word, it's just not one word. You see, there's three meanings that would piggyback on that word, on that one word. And when they would say this, when they said this, and the people read it correctly, they would understand those three words that piggybacked on that word. And those three words were this, power, endurance, and might. Those words meant azai. Power, endurance, and might. First one, power, I want to explain this to you so you can understand the rest of the scripture here, the rest of this passage. Power was episodic. It happened in episodes. It's not something that can be sustained on long periods of time. You, know? you see these power lifters at the Olympics, right? And they would lift this weight up and they would hold it there for just a brief second, but that's as long as they can hold it. And then they would drop it. But if they were able, if they were called to do it again, they couldn't do it because it took power. I heard about a lady whose whose husband was working on the car, and he had the card in his backyard and he had it jacked up on, on these jacks, you know what? And, and he was working on the front end and, and it collapsed. The jack collapsed. And this five foot two, 115-pound lady came out there. She put her hands on the chrome bumper and she lifted that car long enough for her kids to pull him out. I remember reading about or watching this on CBS uh, on the morning show and and they were talking about this lady and they they put her in front of the same car and asked her to do it again and she couldn't. You see, power comes in episodes. Episodes of strength. A lot of times we'll come to church and we'll we'll witness episodes of power at church, right? We'll, We'll witness healings. Or, 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 or the powerful preaching, right, will cause us to change our behavior, maybe. Or the music, maybe, may touch us and touch our emotions to where we might even shed a tear or two. That's power. That's power. But there's also another meaning. It's endurance. The second meaning of Isaiah is Endurance. I believe the modern day Christian is looking for power, but what they really need is endurance. You see, we hear of churches working in power and so we fly around the city because we hear of something new, something bright and something shiny. We show up and we're distracted by the next powerful expression of God. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But a lot of times, you ever hear of these things that church hoppers, right? They're always, they, they never really homestead at a church. They just go to the next power expression. You know what? This person has a powerful preaching, and this person has a powerful uh, music ministry, right? And that's what I'm attracted to, and that's what's going to keep me coming. But power is like a woman, right? Fellas, what you've got to do to get her, you got to do to keep her. Okay. Power is like charm, you know. How many of you ladies have met a fellow that was charming, but that was it. Didn't take you long to re- reveal that there wasn't any character behind that charm, right? So power is is, is episodic. You know, how many of you remember when um, Pastor Eric was talking about the mountain of transfiguration, where Peter went up to the mountain of transfiguration with uh, Jesus, James, and John. And, and they had what they call a mountaintop experience where the prophet Elisha and, the, and, and, and Moses showed up in front of Jesus. And there was a light that was so shining, And Peter was so amazed by this that he told Jesus that, that we, we need to build tents here, tabernacles he called them, so we can worship here and stay here. But Jesus says, no, we can't stay here. You see, a lot of times when we experience power, we search for it. And we feel empty if we can't find it. But see, there's a reason for that. Is because we don't live in power. We live in the valley. Okay, we live in the valley. That's where it takes endurance to live in this valley. I like the, 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 the song that we were singing about there's light in the darkness. You know, in the 23rd Psalm, it talks about, Yea, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many you know that there's light in the valley? There's only light that can make a shadow cast. In darkness, there's no shadow. And I'm going to explain what that light is. It comes through endurance. Endurance. And the third one is might. It's might. The might is the collective assembly of us together, okay? What might is, is is. The accomplishment of a goal or vision that unified, unifies our effort. You know, God is attracted to might. He is. He is attracted to our our unification here. He's attracted to that. You know, one thing I love about my kids, I love it. And Every parent's wish and every parent's prayer is that their kids be unified. Not that their kids be tearing each other apart through jealousy or whatever. God feels that same way. He's attracted. He wants us. He says, together, you see, one person isn't mighty, but collectively we are mighty, right? I love Freedom Bible Church. I've been coming here since 2008. And some of these people in here, to your left and right, they're my family. Through them, we've gone through some tough things. We've experienced power at Freedom Bible Church. We've had to rely on each other's endurance and together we've been mighty that's what Azai means power endurance and might when this psalm was written when they said that three times that's what they meant Azai because then that you understand that we can go to the next part of the passage where it says whose hearts were set on pilgrimage as they Passed through the valley of Baca. The valley of Baca. What's that, Robert? What's that? The Baca was what was a balsam tree. And on their way to Jerusalem, in pilgrimage, there was a dry and arid place. that There was only one tree that would grow there. And that tree was a Baca tree, a balsam tree, translated. And what that do, that tree would have is a sap that would grow from its trunk, and that sap would look like tears. So when he's talking right here, it says that happy are those whose strength there is in whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. The valley, translate that into the valley of weeping. Sometimes we, we travel through the valley of weeping on our pilgrimage, don't we? There's grief through death, through divorce, through separation, that we, that we pass through this valley. On our way, on pilgrimage together, we pass through this. That's why I love the older, I say older, not old, older saints, right? Because I, the younger people, they, they express a power. They're so exciting. They're so powerful. But it's the older ones that help them with endurance. And when we yoke up together as a community, we're mighty. Because there are some times that we're going to go through, through 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 Baca. We're going to go through weeping, through grief. And we're going to need each other on pilgrimage. See, this is what they would do is they would start out from their homes and there would be two or three families that would start. And as they would walk towards Jerusalem, they would find other groups that were isolated and, and they would collect them along the way. And, and what I love about this is, is sometimes through our grief, We can collect people. It can be a blessing. It can be a source of spring water in our pilgrimage. Listen, I have a buddy of mine. He lost his daughter, 18 years old. He lost his daughter to a disease. A rare disease. and He was heartbroken. And I remembered that I couldn't really minister to him like I really wanted to. I felt for him. But I knew another guy that had had a daughter who passed away several years ago. Matter of fact, that particular daughter hung the lights in our sanctuary here. She died in an automobile accident maybe four or five years ago. And I connected this one guy who was going through grief with this other guy who had been through it. And he collected him on pilgrimage. And he told him, you know what he told him? You know what? It's okay to grieve. We're supposed to grieve but you know what? You're on mission for something else. And we're going to remember and honor your daughter, but we're going to continue our pilgrimage and continue in the gifts that God has given you to provide. You know, sometimes we go through grief and we think that's it. But no, 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 that's not it. God has a plan for you. And, and, And that plan oftentimes only gets established as we're walking in pilgrimage together, as we can talk to each other and say, you know, and and even sometimes we even have to tell each other what our gifts are. I have to tell you, know what? There are some times that I get angry at people. And I I get to where uh, I have what the Bible calls an ought with a brother. Right? That means I'm angry with somebody. And in my pilgrimage, I have a brother that I can call and I can speak to him. And he will tell me all the beautiful things about the person that I have an ought with. Keep me on pilgrimage so that I don't forfeit the gift that God has given me. There's going to be a valley of weeping that we go through. But guess what? It's what we go through, the mess that we go through, is the message that, we, that somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs to hear what you're going through. God doesn't waste anything. We need to have that mind of collecting people along the way. And more than just a physical journey, we, we, we make a visit to a sacred place, such as like a pilgrimage or holy land. This assembly where two or more gather, this becomes a sacred place. Our journey and our faith as we seek life into our calling helps us to grow closer to God. And there are times in our faith that will take us through wilderness and seasons of bad, bad seasons of our life where things seem arid and dry. But we need to be understand that we're on this together. We're in pilgrimage together. We collect each other as we go. Then four, there's a gift that God gives us. Five, it's the gift of petition. I love it where he says here in verses 8 and 9, he says, Hear my prayer, God of Jacob. And I love it when, when he prays to the God of Jacob. You know what that what that refers to in my life? You know, Jacob's name meant deceiver. It meant backbiter. You see, he was Jacob. When he was born, he was he was raised to be a he was raised to be kind of a manipulator. He turned out to be a manipulator. And God had to wrestle with him in the wilderness and and to humble him to where you cannot manipulate and do things in your strength. No, you have to rely on me. And I love this where it says. Hear my prayer, O God of Jacob. You know, it reminds me of the scripture where it says, and for this reason in Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us. While on pilgrimage through Baca, through times when we deceive, through times when we scheme, through times when we're not so perfect, he hears our petition. He hears our prayer. Then it says, better, remember we sung this, better is one day in your courts. is returned back to the courts of God. And he rekindles the idea that better is one day in the presence of God than a thousand elsewhere. And this declaration is comparable to what pastor was preaching about us in Philippians 3, 8, where it says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him, I have suffered loss of all things and consider them as dumb so that I might gain Christ. And go further, and he goes further, and he says that I would rather be the, at the threshold, the doorkeeper. I like it what Charles Burton says. He says, to bear one's burdens and to open the door for the Lord is more precious to me than to reign among the wicked. Everyone has a choice. And this is ours. God's worse is better than the devil's blessed. Johnny, if you would. And I didn't write this down. I didn't give you. This is one last promise It ends the psalm. It is a promise. It's a gift to you. And it says here, in verses 11 12 for the lord god is the sun and shield you see the lord grants favor and honor he does not withhold anything good from those who live with integrity happy is the person who trusts in you O lord lord of armies you see the sun and shield is a reference To all I've been speaking about, the light of his presence, the shield of his protection, the favor of his provision, the honor of being called his child, and the understanding and knowing that through petition, that wonderful gift, that he will not withhold anything good for us, from us, that his blessing comes for all who desire and long for the house and his people there's a blessing for us here y'all and I believe it that life is better here with y'all and I'm honored that I'm able to participate in pilgrimage to that destination that we understand is our heavenly home you see this is we're just passing through here we get attached sure but this is not permanent we have another destination is to reside with Jesus himself in glory and honor. In a moment we're able to partake of the sacrament here, there are four stations throughout the building here in this sanctuary. and We have cups that uh, have plastic, so if you're you know, worry about COVID or whatever, you can take those. And we have the crumbs And the actual cups filled with the juice there. This is one of the things that we get to do in the house of God is we get to partake in the sacrament. So one by one, family by family, I would ask you just to come up to wherever your station is and receive the sacrament. Listen, if there's somebody out there, you don't have to do this, but who's doing this alone, invite them in. Invite them to the prayer. Invite them into taking in the body and the blood of Christ with you. That's what pilgrimage is about. We don't do this alone. No Lone Ranger Christians, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? So let's bow our heads as we pray over this. Lord, Father, we thank you so much that we can come together, Lord, and we can enjoy your presence call ourselves blessed through your provision. Find protection at the altars of God, Lord Father. Be able to petition and pray, Lord Father, and know that you hear our prayer. Know that we're not insignificant, Lord Father, that we are the apple of your eye. Lord Father, it's this time that we set apart to remember you. 1 corinthians it says that this is my body which is for you this is the cup the, the new covenant which is in my blood with our eyes we see the bread that's broken and with our hands we hold the crumbs of the cup and the cup the the, the blood of the cup that represents with our mouths we taste the sign of god's unfailing covenant In our outwardly unremarkable act of eating and drinking, God reminds us that we are here, that we are his people, and he did this for us through his blood. In Christ's name, y'all come and partake.